the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And so you may be here today, and as you examine your life, you you look in your, your corner of the world, your circle of influence, and you see all this relationship havoc, I would just challenge you, go deep in this moment where you surrendered your all, where you bent the knee, and you yielded control. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Good morning, church. Let's dive into God's Word and get fit. Take your Bible and turn to 3 John. This is right near the end of the book. Just before you get to the book of the Revelation, you'll find the third letter from John the Apostle, one of the original disciples. He wrote the book of the Revelation, the Gospel of John, and all three of these letters. Turn with me to 3 John. Now, as you do that, I just want to acknowledge a, a few things this morning. First, this is a month and a week where, as a nation, we celebrate the sanctity of human life. And as followers of Jesus Christ, obviously, this is just an obvious statement, we support and value human life. I would encourage you in every aspect of your life to, to see how you can promote the dignity of every single human life, both inside of the womb and outside of the womb. On this weekend especially, I'm grateful that a young teenage mother six years ago who was not living in a good setting in the eyes of God made a decision to have a child that now I'm able to call daughter. And so I'm grateful for those of you who have demonstrated the value of life in different ways throughout your life. I would also say to you, we recognize that in a setting like this, there are many people who have walked through the pain and the agony of abortion right here in this room. And I'm so thankful that our God is a God of grace and a God of forgiveness. And I pray that if you have walked through that uh, traumatic experience and the pain of that, that God has been able to give you the healing from that moment. And if not, uh, please know that we want to help you receive the healing that even you can still get uh, as a result of, of that challenge in your life. Also want to remind you that we're two weeks away from starting our Lake Carroll campus. And this is a really cool thing for us. We're really excited about this. Each week for the last couple of months, I've been leaving at noon and preaching our third service there. And so if that's something you're interested in being a part of, we'd love for you to, to be a part of that. But we launch publicly in just two weeks. So I can't wait to tell you how that's going. And then finally, do me a favor this morning and welcome those of us that are worshiping right now with us from our Mission Hill Six Mile Campus. Would you do that? There's such a great group of volunteers that help on that campus. Ray and Brownie Shove on a weekly basis come alongside Pastor Jeff and, and help us there. Uh, they've walked through a tough time in their family just recently as Brownie uh, lost her twin sister. And so pray for that family even this morning as we know uh, the church family there at Six Mile is, is coming around them. 
Well, I grew up, as many of you knew, in a pastor's home. And so I've liked to talk about my testimony this way. I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Wednesday night. You've heard that a billion times. So uh, the, the result of that growing up in a pastor's home, and then you add in the the southern states of the U.S., I I was raised with a pretty firm understanding of the things I should do and those things I should not do. And, And then that was undergirded with manners, and I was taught to be a gentleman. So I was talked to about the things I could and could not say. I I was told of the importance of saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. I I was taught to hold open a door for ladies and and to be respectful at all times. Uh, I was even challenged with the words that I used. I remember even as a young teenager being on a a youth trip, and, and one of the older ladies in our church, Miss Elizabeth Dean, was there, and it was in the days of CB radios, if anybody remembers that, before mobile telephones, cell phones. And so the, the vans that were communicating between the, the youth groups uh, had CB radios, and we all had the, the slang for that. And, and, and the, the terminology for a Volkswagen Beetle back then uh, was, was, I think, like a pregnant bug or, or something like that. And, and so I was talking on a CB radio as the pastor's son, and I, I said that, and Miss Elizabeth Dean, who I think was about 144 at that time, uh, boy, she verbally reprimanded me for saying the word pregnant out loud. And so uh, if that offended any of you right now, so sorry. Um, but, but I was raised with kind of this idea of things that I should do and, and a clear set of things that I should not do. And that's not uncommon in church settings. And in fact, if we're not careful, we make this thing that we're here to celebrate today about those kinds of things. So, so we think about, uh, I, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do, or I, I do go to church and I do read my Bible and I do pray and I do give when the offering plate comes in. And we feel like if, if we just live up to this list of do's and don'ts, that we're going to be okay. And if that's the way that you were raised or if that's the way that you've come into this room, I've got some good news, I think, for you. It could be bad news for you, but it really is good news because that is not the way this thing with God works. It's not about what we do and what we don't do. It's about what he's already done. And, And he accomplished for us through his death, his burial and resurrection, something we could never do, never live up to. And and so the heart of the gospel message that we try to make clear every time we open the doors is that Jesus has done everything that, that you need to be done. So just live your life with a desire to trust Jesus. Just surrender to Jesus the control of your life and, and things will begin to, to work out for you. The balance of this is, though, that once I have a relationship with God, there are some things I should do and some things I shouldn't do, right? I mean, that just makes sense. And, and so when we've talking, been talking about this idea of fitness, we've, we've dealt with that in every area of our life. What are those things that we do? What are those things that we don't do? We began with spiritual health. And, and when we talked about spiritual health, I reminded you of this important life principle. The process always precedes the product. So I gave you a simple process, a checklist, just to help you spiritually. Not something new to me. There's nothing new under the sun, but just some things you could look at in your daily life. So for example, we said, make sure on a daily basis that you are dying to self. Wake up every day. Thank you, God, for waking me up. You gave me life. Now I die. Now I die. 
Not my will be done, but your will, God. I die to self today. I hope you've done that this week. Make time daily to get into the word in some way, in some fashion. Spend time on each and every day in the word of God. Spend time daily in personal prayer. And we reminded you that we gave you a tool even this month to help you in this personal prayer setting because uh, these are 21 days of prayer as we head towards Super Sunday and, and our launch at Lake Carroll. So we've given you some specific things to pray for. Make sure every day you're taking time and setting aside moments of your day to spend with God in prayer. And then finally, pursue holiness daily. So this is where we recognize there are some of those things we do. There are some things we don't do because we're recognizing and practicing the grace of God, but we're pursuing holiness on a daily basis. Somebody sent me a picture of a church sign this week, and I thought it spoke to this principle. It said this, it's hard to be in shape spiritually if you only work out on Sunday. And so just understand your faith journey, your spiritual health and spiritual fitness is not just about what takes place on this day. It's an everyday thing in your life. And then last week we talked about financial health and in financial health, I gave you two principles. The first one is this, all that I have is a gift from God. That's where we all have to come to an understanding. Everything I have is a gift from God. It's on loan. I'm just a manager. I'm just a steward. So the second thing we learn is that God expects me to be a faithful steward of all that he's given me. There's no part of my life that I should be able to say, God, I'm going to take care of this. You take care of the rest. No, he wants to take care of every part of our life as we steward well for him. And when we take those steps to become financially fit, Here's what he begins to do. He allows us to adore him simply for who he is. When I am financially fit, I praise God. So John said, hey, what you're doing is for the sake of the name of God. You're giving adoration to the name of God. So when you get areas of your life, all areas of your life in order, you begin to give praise and adoration to God. But we also advertise God for who he is because people begin to see our life and they say, Something's different there. They, they've got something I don't have. Or as I've heard many people say when talking uh, about Christ followers, I want what they've got. We become an advertiser. And, and thirdly, we assist in letting others know who God is and what he's all about. We become partners in the gospel. So we've learned all of that. But today we're talking about relational health. And this is big. I've lived almost 50 years. All of those years, I've hung out with people like you, imperfect church people. And I'm overwhelmed by how much we struggle in relationships. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but, but some of you are here because of relationship problems somewhere else in your life. Maybe it was a a marriage that didn't work out and now you're worshiping at a different place as the, the person you were married to. Maybe it was a church relationship or friendships within that church. And and so as a result you find yourself here and and relationships are not right. And and that's evident even even in what we're here to do today. So we're gonna dig into this because you were created for a relationship. And so the greatest problems that you have in life, they're really all going to come back to being relationship problems. 
If you examine the, the things that you're struggling with and you look deep into them, I, I really think you're going to find some level of relationship problem. And that's where I've got to pause and, and give you my weekly disclaimer. I am not an authority on relationships. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. In fact, if you could look at my relational life, you would see a life filled with relational scars. And I have to say that some of those are self-inflicted. Others I, I bear because of the wounds of others in my life. But I'm still learning. I'm, I'm growing. I'm, I'm trying to understand, like in every area of my life, how to be more fit, how to be more healthy relationally. relationally. I am not the authority, but I know the authority. And I know where to find authority. And so that's what we're going to do today, and that's what we're looking at in the third letter from John. Now, what I want you to do in order to understand the context of this is we're going to take the time just to read through to the point we're focusing on today. The elder, that's John, to the beloved Gaius, that's kind of the focus of this letter, this godly man, this generous, faithful man, whom I love in truth. We see a theme of this little letter, that idea of love and truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. We talked about how important it would be for us to be able to pray that prayer. God, may you make every area of my life as healthy as I am in my soul. That should be a goal for you, that your soul is so healthy that you're willing to pray. God, make my physical health as healthy as my soul is. God, make my emotional and mental health as healthy as my soul is. God, make my financial health as healthy as my soul is. God, make my relational health as healthy as my soul is. I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you're walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it's faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out, there it is, for the sake of the name. And just a reminder, if you are a Christ follower, and every time we gather, there are two groups of people here. Some of you are Christ followers. Some of you have not yet taken that step. You may be religious. You may follow rituals, but you've not yet become a follower of Christ. If you are a Christ follower, your goal is simple. I want to live for the sake of the name. I want everything in my life to point to him. I want God to get glory. Paul put it this way. Whatever I do, whether I eat, sleep, drink, whatever I do, I do all for the, the glory of God. So he said, 
for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers of the truth. Just a reminder, when I'm financially fit, I assist in the gospel. Now look at verse nine. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And then we see a second name, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know our testimony is true. Let's pray together. Father, we have just opened your perfect and true word. This letter written many years ago to a specific person cuts into our heart as we begin to examine our life, looking into your mirror and seeing our reflection. So in this moment of quietness, we pray that prayer we often do in this room. Would you teach us what we do not know? Would you give us what we do not have? Would you make us what we've not yet become for your glory, for the sake of your name? God, would you restore and heal broken and hurting relationships? Would you bring about unity for the glory of your name? God, would you make us more healthy in our relationships for the glory of your name? And Lord, may the words that I say in these moments and even my thoughts in these next few minutes please you. God, not for me, but for you and the glory of your name. Thank you, Jesus. I ask that today someone who hears a simple gospel truth in this time would experience salvation. And I thank you for this too in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So take a quick, quick inventory. If you have that pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola in that note sheet, or if you're on your phone or your iPad, whatever you're doing, and if you were to write down the names of those in your circle of influence, that's your community. How are your relationships? Are they functional or, or dysfunctional? Ronnie Floyd said a, a functional relationship is refreshing and replenishing. A dysfunctional relationship is exasperating and exhausting. So let's just think about those. What are are your relationships? Replenishing or exhausting? Refreshing or exasperating? Peaceful or stressful? Calm or dramatic. 
And as you think about that, I, I want you to understand a vital truth. You are a contributing member to every relationship in your life. So you get to make choices that are going to determine what those relationships look like and how you go forward and how those relationships will be characterized. A while back, I I saw a t-shirt and it says, our family put the fun back in dysfunctional. And that's kind of funny, isn't it? But the truth is, there's nothing fun about dysfunctional relationships. They're exasperating, exhausting, stressful, and dramatic. And John gives us a close-up of both functional and dysfunctional relationships. You could call this message a tell of two church members because you've got two names recorded in biblical history, remembered for all of time about two real people and how they lived out life in the church. John begins with what could be called the bad apple. We could call him dysfunctional diatrophies. He's the model of what most pastors would say a very bad church member. But in looking at him, we also see an example of just what it looks like to live out of whack relationally. Now, I would say to you, after a lifetime in churches, I've mentioned, I've certainly seen and even been around bad actors, those whose attitudes and their actions and their agendas have hurt the church specifically and hurt the cause of Christ generally. But when I read about this particular guy, Diotrephes, I don't think about all of them. When I read this, I feel like I'm looking in the mirror of God's word and I want to think about me. Well, what do I see when, when I look at this bad character? What do I see about me that needs to be adjust, adjusted? Where, where is this speaking to me? I want to reflect on my life and determine whether or not improvements are necessary for me. And I would suggest that you do the same. The natural thing to do when we gather, particularly in having faith discussions, is to talk about the negative traits in someone else. It's a lot easier (laughs) to point out your sins than to deal with mine. And yet God has given us his word so that we might see him for who he is, thus reflecting us for who we really are. And that's what I beg you to do if this time is to be beneficial, to look at this and say, God, where do I need to change? I was walking through the house. I was there by myself earlier this week. And, and I had something in my hand. I think coffee in my hand. I was walking across the carpet and my arm bumped something and the coffee spilled out of the cup and it went on the, the carpet. And I just thought, ah. But I did that not because the coffee hit the carpet. I did that because I realized nobody on this planet frustrates me more than me. <laughs> I do the very things that frustrate me and other people. The good news is that's the first step to getting help, right? To recognize that there's some need for improvement. So I want you to ask this question, in what ways am I like diatrophies? And I want to begin by giving you, in the negative, five relationship don'ts that we see in his life. And again, I would tell you, as a pastor, as I walk through troubled or problem church members for 25 years, This is like a checklist. 
You could almost say, yeah, this person followed it this way. But I also want to think about today, what's going on in my life? Number one, don't be self-centered. Don't be self-centered. So John begins by, after introducing this guy, this is his description. He puts himself first. We all know people like that. They, they live for themselves. But scripture says you simply cannot live for self and live for God at the same time. Rick Warren wrote that famous book, The, the Purpose Driven Life. And the very first words of that are these words. It's not about you. And that goes against everything in pop psychology. It it goes against all of our understanding in the American culture of you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You got to take care of you. If you don't watch out for number one, no one else will. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.